Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Craig. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. It's episode 230, and we're talking about the best cities in Asia today. This is going to be a mix of places we have gone and enjoyed, and places we haven't yet been but are excited about. Yeah, well, this week... Well, to tell you the truth, we don't know what this week has been like because we haven't actually lived it yet. We're recording in advance so that we can enjoy the travel from uh, Auckland to Christchurch to Kuala Lumpur. I suppose we'll probably be in KL this time next week. Yep, yep. If we... No, we won't. We should be um, just down in Christchurch because this oh, yeah. will go yeah. live on a Monday. That's yep, true. but we'll be in transit between uh, New Zealand and Spain. And uh, to be honest, a lot of the podcast episodes over the next two months are going to be pre-recorded because yes. we are going to be walking through farmland in the middle of Spain. It's just going to be a and bit we difficult. Have, we have no idea what internet access we're going to get. So we're pre-recording a whole bit and our lovely friend and community manager, Angela, will be uh, posting a lot of these as we go. Thanks, Ange. We love you. <laughs> Actually, last time we walked the Camino, we'd just bought our microphone and we were trying to get it, but um, we'd had it couriered it to Post Restant, and unfortunately Post Restant doesn't accept couriers, so we couldn't get it. Yeah. It kind of followed us all around the country, and eventually when we got back to the UK, we got it. So <laughs> a, this uh, time we are going to take the microphone with us and record some podcasts, but we're going to be publishing them immediately. A travel tip for new players. Um, Post Restant is great. You can have post mailed to you to almost any post office in the world, yeah. but they won't sign for things. Yeah, so, that's um, right. <laughs> don't get anything couriered to you, Post Restant. Yeah. Well, let's kick into the show. I mean, as you know, we're all about independent travel, but sometimes it just does make sense to take a tour. They can take you beyond your comfort zone, give you fresh insight into something that you've seen, or really take you beyond where you expected to go and uh, help you out by bundling transport, a guide, and the experiences all into one package. Yeah, I think especially this is especially true for day tours because, you know, you want to see a place and you want to know what it's like, but you don't really know where to go. So we quite often do Urban Adventures day tours as we travel and we get the inside scoop from the local guides, which is great. Yeah. Um, you can explore over 100 cities and book online through us, indietravelpodcast.com slash tours. And if you use the code indietravel, you can get 15% off on checkout. That's I-N-D-I-E, obviously travel yeah that'll uh, get you 15% off any booking at urban adventures until mid-march but don't forget we're also giving away a $50 voucher from them the uh, competition is there on the uh, homepage of indietravelpodcast.com we're drawing that at the uh, end of february early march so it's going to be well this is going to be the last couple of days you can you can sign up and, and get in there yeah very exciting so make sure you visit indietravelpodcast.com and enter the competition well, we are talking about the best places in Asia today. We're talking about some of the places that we've visited and, and loved and would love to go back to, and also about some other places that we've read about, heard about, and are inspired to go and see. So it's going to be a good mix. Yeah, obviously, this is not going to be a complete list because we haven't seen everything and we haven't heard about everything. I mean, who can, can you imagine? You travel Asia all your life and still not see anything it's yeah. it's huge it and while almost... there are big areas of kind of desolate wasteland and deserts there's so many little communities mm -hmm. and little cultures even in a place that's politically the same country yeah. it's just it's incredibly so varied i mean i don't think of asia as, as varied as say europe just because europe is so tiny and dense but it really is incredibly varied and big as well so 
even across, like you said, one country, you've got a lot of different communities. Mm. Well, first of all, um, I, I go to Laos. I don't know why. We only spent about five days there. But if I'm thinking about the Asia experiences mm. I've had, Laos just really jumps out at me as somewhere amazing. It seemed a bit more off the beaten track. Eh? I mean, we, we went through Thailand and Cambodia was cool too, and so was Vietnam. I mean, Asia is really cool. But Laos seems so different mm. and, yeah, not, not quite as touched by tourism yet. And then, oh, my goodness, we just totally loved Luang Prabang. It was such an amazing city. It was such a pity that we only had one day there, and not even a day. I think it was about 20 hours. If we could have, we would have stayed longer. Just had a really nice atmosphere about it. It was really beautiful, surrounded by water. It's on, isn't on the border of two rivers? I think that's what it is. Yeah, I think so. It definitely has that wedge shape, eh? Because you mm. can get out there um, up above the cliffs. Well, we arrived by boat, which was awesome. Yeah, that was fun. It, to me, Lamprobang marries this romantic idea of the East, like mm-hmm. the kind of thing you'd see in, in a movie like um, The Emperor and Me or something like that, a very romanticized kind yeah. of almost Hollywood idea of what Southeast Asia is meant to look like. Yeah, um, but it's just it, going on with its life. Like it's yeah, not, it's yeah. not fake at all. It's real. Yeah, and it's it's beautifully preserved, and that they, they, they're obviously invested in in keeping it looking that way. But uh-huh. it doesn't feel like a like it's Disneyfied. It doesn't no. feel like it's artificially that way. Yeah, uh, it's just yeah, a really beautiful place and so relaxing to be able to sit down in a in a cafe and have a good cup of coffee. Um, to be able to sit down and have some drinks and... Yeah, so it's got the, just, yeah, the old feel lovely. as well as the modern feel at the same time. And um, it's a beautiful, beautiful city. It's UNESCO listed. The old town is UNESCO World Heritage mm-hmm. listed. And it's, oh, what I loved about it were the markets, the night markets. It was the best markets I've ever been to. And I've been to a lot of markets. You know, sometimes we get, we call them, um, we got ferried out because in Chile we went to a lot of these artisanal markets. They're called ferias. And, yeah, we just went to far too many. But the products on sale in Luang Prabang are really high quality, really nice, and yeah, that's not too what, expensive either. That's what got me is often in markets, about half the stalls are selling the same stuff you find in markets. All over the world. All it's over the world. They're just, they're just mass-produced, yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'd say 95% of the stuff in the Luang Prabang markets I'd never seen anywhere else in my life. Yeah. They were truly local products and truly artisanal products. I really like the things like you could get baby books, like those soft cloth books mm. with um, pictures in it, and you could get them personalised. Yeah, all hand-stitched. They were hand-stitched and hand-painted, and uh, one of the girls on our tour requested a special one with certain animals in it, and they made it for her, and she bought it the next day. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. They, and it didn't cost any more to have that done, because they were going to be making it anyway. Yeah. And so yeah, it was brilliant. That was cool. And the morning markets as well, which are the food markets, yeah. um, were a sight to see, actually. We, we didn't do any shopping there. We kind of walked through just to have a look before we jumped on the bus. Yeah. And... Yeah, really cool, really cool. Have also, to go back there with a decent camera sometime. During the night markets, they had food stalls as well, so, oh, and it was great food. Don't remind me. Plus, okay, we have to rush through the rest of this podcast okay, now so well, we can get lunch. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go on to China then. Where should we visit in China? Well, the place that's caught my attention at the moment is Suzhou, because for a long time, up until last year, I had never heard of it before. And the more I read about it, the more interested I get. So 
It's um, it's been called the Venice of the Orient. I, I maybe we need to do a, a top ten Venice of the yes, that would be brilliant yes. because there are so many places that are like, this is the Venice of Palmerston North. Number this one, is- <laughs> Venice, <laughs> the Venice of oh, Venice. Oh gosh. Um, so, but it's called that because of its high artistic values and kind of traditional architectural beauty, as well as the fact that it's on canals. It's pretty much um, so, canals that make somewhere the Venice of, right? I it guess can't be so. the Venice of anywhere if it doesn't have canals. Um, so the interesting thing is what's happened in the past. It's been a place where lots of scholars went to, um, just outside of Shanghai. You can actually do day trips from Shanghai, but from what I've read, I'd recommend staying a couple of days. Um, but it's just outside of there, and there's all of these scholarly gardens, like the classical. Um, kind of philosophically designed huh. gardens that you get, uh, like the ones we went to down in Dunedin. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, so these Chinese gardens in Dunedin, New Zealand, are one of the few in the world where they actually built the entire garden in China and then took it apart and shipped it over to New Zealand. That's right, and they shipped um, over a whole bunch of workers, eh? And all the workers were Chinese. Yeah, yeah. And they put it together over here. Yeah, so it's, yeah, all the all the artisans that did all the stone dressing and everything like that, and they, they came with the building. Wow. Um, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, they're, so they're not gardens like you might see a, a Japanese-style garden in a park somewhere. They're, they're walled enclosures, and they're, oh, yeah, they they're just... It was amazing when we went down there. Lots of little spaces and little gazebos and, and mm. walks and, like, rockeries. And, yeah, it was really nice. Good for contemplation. yeah. Um, Ian Manley put together a, uh, a Suzhou guide and a Shanghai guide for us, so you can find those on site if you uh, jump into the, the Asia-China section. All right, let's move on to Battambang, Cambodia. Now, we loved Battambang. Obviously, Cambodia is more known for its capital, Phnom Penh, and uh, Siem Reap, which is famous for the, the temples of Angkor Wat and mm. the other temples out there. But uh, we decided we didn't just want to visit the two main sites, and we found out about this place called Battambang, which is about, it's kind of halfway between them but on a triangular diversion so you had to kind of go off on one angle to get to to get to it and it was so worth it we only had two nights there we arrived latish on the first day had one full had one full day and then left by boat the following day and that one full day we were there was absolutely brilliant we went out on a tuk-tuk tour with some guy we met as we were getting off the bus on the first day because there were so many touts waiting for you know the European tourists to get off the bus. We're like, oh, where are you going? He's like, oh, I'm going to a hotel. We're going to talk to him. I'm like, can we catch a lift? He's like, yeah, yeah, sweet guys. So we ended up staying at the same hotel. And that tuk-tuk driver was absolutely brilliant. He took us out for the full day. We went to the only winery in Cambodia. We went to some caves where um, a lot of people were killed as part of the Khmer Rouge re- regime. We went to some temples. And what was the other place we went to? There's one more. Um, oh, yeah, the, the bamboo train. Yeah, we went on the really bamboo fun. train. And we also got to this cool cave where every night at dusk, like thousands of bats fly out of it. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, we got there about half an hour after dusk and couldn't see anything and all the bats had left. Yeah, we did see some <laughs> bats, but oh well, you win some, you lose some. You do. Um, and it was like Badenbang's sleepy and quiet. It's kind of a, a provincial capital. It's where all the farmers come in from the countryside to to trade and, and things like that. So it's it's a very, very quiet, kind of slow place. Um, as we walked around the city, we saw monks bathing in the river and all that kind of stuff that I think I associate more with, with Laos. 
mm-hmm. um, because I think of the the modern side of places like Cambodia and Thailand. I yeah, think well, that's because we spent Bangkok so much time in Phnom Penh, Penh and, and, it's, it's a city. and things and like that. Yeah. Siem Reap is basically just a city built for tourists to, mm. to deal with all the people coming to see Angkor Wat. Yeah. Whereas Battambang so is just was... a little town getting on with life. It doesn't have a yeah. lot of tourists. I mean, everyone in our hotel was a tourist, but I wouldn't have seen more than about 30, no. 30 or 40 people. And so it was awesome. Yeah. It was really nice. Yeah, it was nice. It, it's a bit, um, a bit of the off the beaten track, but still on the track enough that there's infrastructure. Yeah, it's certainly not off the... It's, it's more like a, a less popular track. Yes, um, that's right. <laughs> it's, it's definitely... The road less traveled. It's, it's definitely <laughs> on the track, um, but there are... Yeah, it's just It was awesome. Just it was beautiful. really good. So go there. If you go to Cambodia, spend a few nights in Batambang on, uh, on your way to and from Phnom Penh and... Angkor Wat and there are lots of other little interesting places around the place if you've got more time for Cambodia I think it'll really reward you definitely alright well let's move on to Japan well Japan's one of those places that we really want to go to and still haven't been there you know when we tell people we travel a lot so they say oh have you been to Japan like, no like, why not that in <laughs> India and we're like we just haven't just leave us alone but Osaka Japan is one of those places that I would really like to visit apparently it's a bit cheaper than Tokyo but um well, still Japanese, so not necessarily the cheapest place in the world. And it still offers all the entertainment that you can find in the in the capital. Yeah, like many cities, I guess, during World War II, it suffered a, a lot of damage. Um, but several of the, the big important buildings are still standing. And so they kind of create a, a bit of a, a cultural, um, how to say, like a cultural itinerary mm-hmm. around the city. And one of them is the Osaka Castle, uh, which we'll have a photo of this with the, the show notes. It just looks pretty impressive. Yeah, we've got a yeah, we've got a couple of articles about Osaka on the site. There's the city guide and things to do in Osaka. So if you're interested you should definitely check those out. Yeah, they were written by uh by Steffi who's travelled there quite a bit and uh yeah. Really good stuff, really uh inspired us to, to add it on to our, our imaginary Japan itinerary in the future. <laughs> I wonder how many other people do that. You're like, yeah, I want to go there and there and there and there. I don't ever want to get a map and mark on where I want to go because I think it would just make me sad. Well, you just won't be able to see the map, Linda, if you <laughs> marked on everywhere you wanted to go. <laughs> have to give you the thinnest graphic pencil ever invented. <laughs> I'm thinking big red dots. <laughs> well, back to somewhere we have been then, um, Ho Chi Minh in Vietnam. And I guess it's one of the the two places that we spent a decent amount of time in in Vietnam, um, there in Moi Ne, down mm-hmm. on the coast. And a lot of people, you're either a Ho Chi Minh person or a Hanoi person, apparently, oh, when okay. you go to Vietnam. We didn't go to Hanoi. And because we didn't go to Hanoi... I really don't know which one we are. Mm. And anyway, I don't like these kind of binary artificial things anyway. But I really liked Ho Chi Minh. Uh, we stayed with an expat family out in the suburbs, so we weren't staying in kind of the main backpacker areas. And I think that might have made a big difference yeah. to, uh, to our experience. Yeah, it's great. They're coming back now. They're actually on their way home. Are they? Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, wandering around that CBD area of Ho Chi Minh is chaotic madness it's, madness you wouldn't so believe busy. it i mean i've sherry Ott used to live there and she wrote about what it's like and i just didn't really believe her until we went and the city really is totally packed full of motorcycles and you try to cross the road and the lights change and this kind of i don't know this wave of bikes 
goes and oh my goodness absolutely crazy if you want to cross the road by the way you just kind of have to take your life into your hand and kind of weave your way across and no you don't don't weave walk in a straight line at a steady pace oh yeah 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 but i mean you need to pay attention to what's going on and and everyone else kind of just flows around you and it works the the trick is to find a local who's also crossing the road and yep. use them as a kind of human shield. Yeah. Just just walk on the the downward stream of them and, yeah. uh, and keep work. up with them. Mm, yeah, but if they get hit, then you'll probably get hit too. So it's not necessarily the best. No, but but no one's going to hit them. That's true. And and we've never and seen that, an accident. That, that gives of that you kind. the that gives you the pacing that you need. That's true. That's true. And electrical wires just. <laughs> Gosh, anyone who's been to Ho Chi Minh would have probably laughed. I just said electrical wires. They they run along poles attached to buildings, drop in big, huge piles onto the pavement. Sometimes you're stepping over a pile of about forty like high voltage electrical wires that work. are just running down the pavement. It is um, a mystery. It really is. Yeah, and people tap into them all the time, uh-huh. like. Yeah, they'll they'll just illegally tap into the the high voltage tele, uh, power lines. It's it's just it's insane. Mad. So Ho Chi Minh to me is very special city. Yeah, it's not somewhere I think I could spend a lot of time because I'm not a big fan of that big big city, big big bustle, mm-hmm. lots of speed thing. But there are all of these little quiet areas that are kind of tucked in around the place, which is cool. And, and for oh yeah, really good noodle soup. Yep. So known as pho. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, amazing. Oh, and good bread as well. So some of the best bread. Yeah, Vietnam has some of the best bread in Asia. I'm going to say it. It's, it's the the French colonial um, kind of gift. <laughs> <laughs> they, they screwed up everything, but um, yeah, Vietnam had great bread. Awesome. Well, let's move on to Thailand. I think we can safely say that our favourite city in Thailand was Chiang Mai, which is known as kind of the expat paradise anyway. So many people we know live in or visit or spend a lot of time mm. in Chiang Mai, and there is quite a large expat community. Yeah, we really enjoyed it. Um, but I think we really enjoyed it because of the people that we met there. Um, you know, expats, uh, bloggers, other creative people, photographers, um, people that we've known online forever. And... Yeah, I just really, really connected with the people there, and that made the whole place seem hmm. seem extra awesome. And the food, obviously. Food was Very really good. Food. good. Lots of good street food and restaurants and fresh food markets. Brilliant, mm. that was brilliant. It was. Um, there we went on a day trip up to an elephant sanctuary where we uh, jumped on an elephant and ticked off one of Linda's, Linda's wish list items. Yeah, I wanted to ride an elephant and ride a camel, and I did both of them in the same year, so it was quite nice. Yeah, where was the camel again? I remember that. And corn. That's right, in corn in Australia. Australia. That's right, I remember that. So yeah, Chiang Mai used to be the capital of Thailand, and then the capital moved down to uh, to Sukhothai, which is well worth a visit, and Ayutthaya, which is also, also worth well a worth a visit, and then um, to Bangkok, where it is today. Also worth a so, visit. Yeah, but if you're I, going to Thailand, then you'll probably go to Bangkok. That kind of yeah. is a given. And well, there's quite a quite a well beaten path to go from from Bangkok up to Ayutthaya on a day trip, mm-hmm. or go and stay there for a while. And then up to Sukhothai, where you can cycle around the ruins, and then um, back on the train and uh, head head on up to yeah. Chiang Mai. When we arrived in Thailand, we arrived from Cambodia, and I think that was a really good way to go because apparently there's quite a lot of I don't know 
dodginess going on on the route from Bangkok to Siem Reap. Yeah. And so we went the other way around and we had absolutely no problems at all. That's right. It's not quite as, it's, it's not the, the regular way of things. Mm. So if you're planning your trip, that's quite a good way to go, I'd say. And then we, yeah, we just caught yeah. the tra- train up to Chiang Mai from there. Yeah, well, and from Chiang Mai, you can then go on, to, uh, go on to Burma or go on to China or go on to Laos. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of those, those three borders are within kind of half a day or one day's journey yeah. um, from there. So... Yeah. Yeah. When we went, we went across to Laos and then came back down, down through Laos and then back mm. across into Thailand again. Yeah, yeah. From Bangkok, that was quite good. It was a good, good route. Cool. Well, one more, and we, we're going to leave with a place that we want to go to rather than we have been to, uh, which is in India, Varanasi. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It looks like such an incredible city. It's it's where the the Ganges run through it, and so of course you've got all of the infrastructure that's built around there, people swimming, people washing, people uh, going down to the, the river for whatever reason. And um, Artie wrote that the city is a maze of narrow lanes and quaint alleyways, which are filled with colourful shops selling interesting items. It's people walking up and down and even the occasional cow roaming aimlessly around. <laughs> <laughs> I like just that imagine little, it. It's just, yes. I like that little touch. Yeah, it seems like a storybook there. I like that little touch of the cows roaming around. Um now it's Varanasi is a is a spiritual center, um, and there's certain festivals and times of year where thousands, tens of thousands of people arrive. I remember watching what's the show that's based on the Ricky Gervais podcast, An Idiot Abroad, and um, they sent Carl Pilkington to Varanasi during one of these um, the festivals. The festival. Yeah, and he was looking at all the yogis who are doing weird stuff with their bodies and oh, and, um, and commenting on it. That's that's quite a funny episode of that show. The okay. show doesn't work as well as the uh, the audio podcast, but but that episode was quite funny, watching his reaction as he tried to to come to grips with these, these guys. A completely different way of life. Yeah. A, a way of life that just doesn't quite mesh with mm. the one that we've got. Yeah, and I think that's part of what attracts me, like, I'd like to go and spend a significant amount of time in India and and travel around and go to different districts. But there's, like, I I would definitely include this city on my to-do list just because of that and try and get there for the festival and just just to experience it in the same way, like, I I enjoy going to KL and I enjoy going out to the Batu Caves, but... How weird would it be to be there for Taipasam and just see this completely different way of way of living? Yeah. This, yeah. Yeah. The embodiment of a different mindset. Yeah. Yeah. That would All right, be cool. I think it's decided we need to go back to Asia pretty soon. Right. Yeah. We also need to go back to everywhere Look, we're else. We're talking about Asia. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope this show has given you some ideas for uh, for places to go in Asia. And um, if there's somewhere that you'd love to go or somewhere that you've been that you can highly recommend to us, then please do come and leave a show, uh, leave a comment, sorry, on the show notes um, that go with this podcast. It would be really great to, to see them. Yeah, come by the site and have a look at our Asia page, which is indietravelpodcast.com slash Asia. There's all sorts of articles on there that, that will help you out. If you are thinking about going to Asia, um, make sure to check out airasia.com because you can get really cheap long-haul flights. Mm. We, we are flying from Christchurch to Kuala Lumpur, 
and we're also flying from Kuala Lumpur to London for cheapest chips. It's really cheap. And then there's a network within Asia as well. Yeah. I mean, when they do their specials, like we paid $1. $1 each, eh? And they it, covered it the It came tax. out to 15 bucks each. Came out to 15 Maybe for both of us. Yeah. Yeah, I think for both of us, for <laughs> for two people, all all taxes, all everything, to fly from Kuala Lumpur to Ho Chi Minh City. Yeah, the reason we went to Ho Chi Minh City and not Hanoi was because we could get them so cheap. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, the Hanoi ones were all used up. But yeah, that's definitely worth looking into. Um, I think they're pretty reputable. Unfortunately, we just heard that yesterday... Yeah, strategic, strategic went down. Strategic went down. Well, not, they didn't go down. That's a scary phrase to use with an no, aeroplane. No. But um, they, they, went went out, they went out of business. They went out of and, business. Yeah. Some of our friends had tickets with them, and it's not very nice. Yeah. So, I mean, it's always worth... If you're booking with budget airlines, check their history. and. Yeah, and also, um, this is a good point. We, we normally leave our travel insurance up until the last minute, but uh, if you get your travel insurance... Uh, when you get your tickets, you should be covered for an airline going under. That's um, something to always check, check when you're the buying, small print. buying your insurance if it is covered. Yep. Um, and if you are looking at insurance, um, remember you can help us out by booking through us. So visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash insurance or slash flights slash hostels and slash tours when you're booking your travel online. If you want to meet other travelers or if you have any questions about what we've talked about today or about anything to do with travel make sure you visit IndieTravelPodcast.com slash forums, get your free community account, and uh, join in the conversation. Yeah, we've also got a library of books to share at IndieTravelPodcast.com slash books. And remember, we've got the Auckland, Buenos Aires, and Las Vegas guidebooks coming out later Very this funny. year. Um, yeah, it's, they're really coming together. It's looking good. And for some non-monetary ways of helping us out, tell all your friends about Indie Travel Podcast. Invite them to our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash IndieTravel, or leave a five-star review for us in iTunes. Well, that's us for this week. Until next week, travel well.